0: Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at TNTradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
1: The Freeman Report and James Freeman
0: on today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report. Our forefathers worked their hands to the bone to make this land produce food. Um, This is our land, hands off. That was the message um, loud and clear um, sent by Gareth Wynne-Jones and others, um, other speakers yesterday at the protests in Wales. Um, I have produced a special report, um, which will go out um, in just a moment. Um, but don't go after the report, because we've got a packed show for you today. I've got Sally Beck, um, who's recently wrote uh, written an article in The Conservative Women, um called um, it was, um, where is it? <laughs> I can't see the thing. A Sinister Agenda Down on the Farm. So basically, most of today will be about farming. But we've also got Dale Penny um, coming on. At the end of the show um dale you'll be familiar he's a TikToker. he lives in australia he's a f- well former brit who lives in australia he's going to join us for the last part of the segment and we're going to talk about that interview that i did with lois perry this week there's a few points i want to discuss with um with dale and we're also going to speak about israel in general and if it's right that they're bombing um innocent civilians anyway without further ado here's the special report from yesterday This is James Freeman. It's Wednesday the 28th of February. We're outside the Welsh Parliament, the Senedd, here in Cardiff Bay. And we're here um, for a farmers demonstration um, here in Wales today. We're expecting around 15,000 farmers to turn up today. They're really angry because of this sustainable farming scheme that the Welsh Labour government want to push through, which will mean them turning over 20% of their land to tree planting and also wildlife. Um, obviously this should concern everybody because if we don't have any farmers and you know the estimates are that around you know, just shy of 6,000 jobs could be lost here in Wales and a huge financial hit, the big question is, is this no farmers, no food? Peter Fox, thank you for joining me today. Obviously you're a member of the Senedd, you're the um, Shadow Finance Minister with the Conservatives, but you're also a farmer as well. So what do you make of the
2: Sustainable Farming Scheme that Welsh Labour have put together? Well, thank you. And well, I can see why so many farmers are going to be turning out today. Um, When I first saw the Sustainable Farm Scheme proposals as a farmer, I was just gobsmacked you know because it's so impractical so unworkable there's so many elements on it in it which just don't add up and don't make sense and farmers are up against a lot of things at the moment you know TB uh, nitrogen vulnerable zones all the regulations and bureaucracy which is coming with that and then, you know, presented with this proposal for a sustainable farming scheme, which are unworkable, is going to be the straw that's going to break the camel's back. And that's why they're feeling so angry and they're coming out as they are. I mean, I filled in the consultation document, you know, um, and it's just... That in itself is such a challenge yeah. because it's not an opportunity really for farmers to say what they really feel about this and that's why they've come out and, and will be coming out in so many thousands to express that concern because they don't feel they're listened to. Apparently it's taken seven years for the government to have been working on this to get to this point and clearly they still don't understand what affects farmers. By standing here today you're sending a message to the Welsh Parliament and the Welsh Government that you're not happy. And
3: you're not happy with a single, with a sustainable farming scheme. Are you
2: happy with a sustainable farming scheme? No! You need to be louder than that because Catane's Park, where the Welsh Government devised this scheme, is across the other end of Cardiff. Are you happy with the? I met with about 50 or 60 farmers only a, a, a week or two ago and uh, you know, they are beside themselves. But not only the farmers, the supply chains. There's, there's so many people um, are interlinked within the rural economy and what affects the farming community really affects everybody else as well. So there's a real concern about the, the whole fabric of, uh, of Welsh life yeah. is being eroded and being attacked in many ways and that is, um, you know, that is <laughs> just so... Uh, hard for, uh, for them. Right. Whereabouts are you from? I'm from down near Fish Garden in West Wales. So we're okay, 100 so... miles up to here. Okay, I've come up here today because a friend of mine, he's been farming for three generations in Fishgarden. He's lost 109 cattle to TV in the past 12 months. Right. He's going to lose another 50. And this guy is going to take 20% of his farm so he can have more badgers on his, on his
1: farm that's killing his cattle. And it's got to stop. Yeah, now obviously it is quite a rural area where you it are, is. and um, the Welsh Government's own estimates are that um, five and a half thousand jobs are going to be lost, <laughs> 200 million from the economy. Yeah. What, what do you make of what yeah. Welsh Labour are doing? Yeah, the world has gone mad. That place, they're going to increase it by 36 more, yeah. more people, it's going to cost another 20 million, and they're and they just pen pushes.
4: These are, the people who, these are the people who produce food in this country. What I look at it, you can drink milk, you can eat meat, but you can't eat trees. Yeah, and
1: where have you come from? Whitland, Carmarthenshire. OK, so quite a drive then. Oh, a couple hours. Yeah, and are there many people who's come who've come from Carmarthenshire?
4: Well, well, we had, we had one busload, and there were several others coming up as well. Right?
1: Yeah, and what do you think about the fact that, I mean, the, the Welsh Government's own estimates are that Five and a half thousand jobs could be lost from the sector, and also you know two hundred million um, taken away from farms. What do you think of that? That policy?
4: Yeah, well, you think of the industry altogether. Not only farmers; there's other industries. All rely on the farmer, don't they? Polish people feed for
2: people.
4: Yeah, what's going to
2: happen to them? Because it knocks on and affects them, doesn't it? The village shop, you know, local solicitor, the local feed firm, the local machinery dealer—all of those people, uh, um, you know—they're part of a, a whole infrastructure, rural infrastructure, which is going to be undermined if, if farmers end up having to be pushed out of the industry because they can't comply with these expectations to get what little bit of subsidy they need to survive.
5: We work. Were- hands to the bone to get that land to produce food. And my own land we say ain't ein media, it's our land. And we produce the yes! yes! Well it's not about me being here, it's about us, you know, as an industry that have come down to air our frustrations to our Senate, hopefully to get them to listen and change some of the policies, the three main policies. And this is our slogan, Dig on, you dig on, enough is enough. And it's important. You've seen the thousands of people that have travelled down here. Farmers don't protest easily. Farmers are home watching after their animals or tending to their crops. When farmers are out protesting, there's something radically wrong in society. And that's why we're here, to make a change and dig on, you dig on, enough is enough.
1: And Gareth, this this, this um, sustainable farming scheme, um, the Welsh Government's own estimates say that 5,500 jobs will be lost. I think the reality is it could be a lot higher than it's that. It's going to be a lot higher. What what do the local and rural communities make of this? I mean, how is this going to affect people? They're here.
5: They're here to say, no, enough is enough. That's why they came here today. This is why they've aired their frustrations. And I think time and these policies will change now because it's been said, hopefully they'll listen. It's going to be debated this afternoon in them four walls and hope to God and pray that we get the answers to the three questions we've asked them.
1: And obviously, finally, Gareth, I know you've got to run. Um, There was a meeting, I think, earlier this week with the Welsh Government and farmers. What was the result of that and what do you think Welsh Labour are actually listening
5: now? Well, the important thing is that everybody else is listening. Everybody else. There was Conservatives, there was Plaid Cymru members there speaking. Um, We didn't have a Labour but they all had an invitation like everybody else. So, you know, the voices have been heard. Opposition parties know what they have to do, now it's up to Labour. They're in power, they run the Senate, now they have to make decisions.
2: Well, um, I think it's been been really unfortunate, some of the rhetoric we've heard from uh, ministers and the First Minister, you know, some of the things he said, it was pouring salt, if you like, into open wounds. Um, And uh, I don't think some of the things he said have been advisable. You're quite right. You know, we've had no evidence how individual farmers voted in, in Brexit, and does it matter? Yeah. The country decided that we were leaving, Exactly. and it yeah. means the government then have to, um, uh, uh, you know, change their policies or their perspectives or whatever to align to the people's wish. You can't keep blaming somebody else for something perhaps that you're doing wrong. You know and that's for the tweet which you saw from alan davis i think that was unfortunate i think he he sent that out uh, uh, probably without thinking um but clearly for those people who read it it felt like he was calling farmers cranks and and i was at the event when where that picture which accompanied the post was and you know these were real farmers came straight off the farm you know muck on their wellies and i was talking to them and you know and i think it was just an unfortunate tweet which I'm sure Alan wishes he had that thought about a bit more before he put out but it it's there and it in it's it outraged so many people
1: and what do you think about the fact that we haven't seen any Labour
5: politicians here
1: what what do you think that says it's disappointing
5: really because even that we don't agree um, at least they could come and you know air there um, feelings and just change you know some of the direction of what's going on
1: if the Conservatives were to get in in 2026 what is your plans to support Welsh farmers
2: well the Conservatives have always been the supporters of Welsh farming it's in our DNA rural life uh, the, the 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 rural culture uh, the Welsh culture is so important that's not to say we're not focused on all parts of Wales. It has to be seen as a whole, not yeah. as a them and us situation all the time. So, farmers will always have uh, the Conservative Party's support and the farming community. Um, is willing to change. They've said that. They know they might need to do things differently in the future, but it's about working with them. Truly co-create. Don't just talk about it. Words are cheap. It's actually actions, you know. And we will be out here today as a Conservative group supporting these people. We will be speaking on their behalf this afternoon as well. And, um, and it's important they feel they have people who are, um, are talking to them. Now, I don't want to make this a big political debate because we need to find a solution which protects the rural economy and farmers for the future so they can plan ahead for their families and their businesses and uh, you know so that's why it's so important today that we actually raise above politics and try to find a way forward the Minister and the Welsh Government are talking like they are going to listen Uh, but I often wonder well the reason we got to that position is because they could see the mountain um, frustration, and you know, and that's why it's important we have this today, so that we can push that debate that bit further and get commitments on the table.
1: Well, it's been a very wet, windy day here in Cardiff Bay in Wales, outside the Welsh Parliament. Um, thousands of farmers turned up today to protest here. We've had speakers from the farming community and also from opposition politicians. At the heart of today's protest is the sustainable farming scheme which essentially is going to force farmers to turn over 20 percent of their land to tree planting and wildlife preservation. The farmers are really angry about this. Um, The Welsh Government's own estimates say that, you know, five and a half thousand jobs will be lost and over 200 million taken out of the sector. So the farmers are genuinely worried for their industry. The other thing is we've seen insults from Mark Drakeford and Alan Davies yesterday, both from the Welsh Labour Party. Um, Alan Davies yesterday called the farmers a bunch of cranks. So um, really disappointing that we didn't see one Welsh Labour Party here today. So I guess the question from today is now that the farmers have sent their message, are the politicians going to start listening? This is James Freeman for today's News Talk TNT no farmers no food talk that matters for once we just need to do what's best
0: for the same country and not what's best for the world today's news talk radio tnt
1: hi Gemma. now listen um we're not going to talk about the report because i'll be doing that with sally beck in a minute and her article um you've got a very relevant story um you know for farming um what is it Gemma?
6: well it's just very pertinent to so the comments right there at the end of your i must say excellent reportage there from the the welsh senate yesterday no farmers no food No proper food. Now, there's been a huge global report published today in the BMJ, a three year study involving nearly 10 million people. And it has proven without a doubt that there are massive links between ultra processed food and 32 physical and mental health conditions. Just for example, uh, ultra processed foods largely encompassing ready meals, fast foods, uh, fizzy drinks. Uh, cereals, anything that's processed, anything that doesn't appear in nature, basically anything that's not farmed, something that's come out of a a chemical factory, basically. Uh, If you consume these foods on a regular basis, you are 50% more likely to have cardiovascular disease, 12% more likely to have type two diabetes, and this is staggering, more than 50% more likely to have anxiety. There are also highly suggestive links between sleep problems, depression, obesity, and dying early, and huge links between ultra processed food on asthma gastrointestinal health and some cancers this has been published today in the bmj and researchers from brazil who took part in this study say unequivocally there is absolutely no reason that exists to show that human beings can adapt to an ultra processed food diet these are chemically manipulated cheap ingredients Mm. made palatable by colors emulsifiers flavors thickness and other additives That, James, I think is where we're headed if this global clampdown on farmers worldwide trying to bring us food that God gave us works. We will be living on a diet of ultra processed foods and we will have all of these horrible mental and physical health uh, conditions that researchers are now proving accompany them. Part of some bigger globalist agenda. I'll leave that for you to decide and maybe even have a conversation with your guests about
1: yeah it is the big lie isn't it in western civil- civilization in recent years it's not a it's not the fact that people i mean people probably are eating more as well because these foods are very addictive but it's actually not a lot of the health problems people are getting it's not necessarily because of the volume of food they're eating it is because of the actual food that we're eating highly processed foods ultra processed food um it really is and the politicians are doing nothing about it they're just talking about healthy lifestyles and a bit of lip service um about what they're doing to try and stop it um when in reality they're actually encouraging it and as you said Gemma the road we're going down it looks like we're going to get more and more of it if we don't fight back thank you very much Gemma for that story um like i said today's show is all about well farming and israel mainly about farming um so don't go anywhere if you're watching this i'm going to have sally beck um on the show with me to talk about her article in the conservative woman on farming it's a great article so we're going to talk all about that in just a moment right here on tnt TNT's
0: Dean Mackin. Some would argue where it comes to Julian Assange, he has more than done his time, whether that be
5: self-imposed or where he currently finds himself locked up, but just that time that he spent in the Ecuadorian embassy. That was way more time than he ever should have served, and what did he do? He told the truth. Somehow you would think if you were new to this world, if you were a visiting alien,
0: if you were a child who was growing up in this world, you would learn quickly that if you tell the truth, if you advocate for what's right, you'll be punished. Apparently that's the lesson to be learned. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk. TNT TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day 7 days a week no one in the world does what we do crisscrossing the globe providing credible news and opinion all day and all night in two and a half years TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff it's a critical time and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We're now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to TNTradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I
2: do a lot of free streaming.
0: TNTradio.live
1: Right. Well, I'm absolutely delighted to um, welcome Sally Bett to the Freeman Report for the first time. She describes herself as a legacy journalist gone rogue. Um, hello, Sally. How are you doing?
7: Hello, James. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I love that description of yourself. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Of course, you know you've got thirty years' experience, haven't you, um, in the legacy media, writing in newspapers and, um, and magazines. And um, before we start on the conversation, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the experience you, you've had?
6: Well,
7: in mainstream media, yeah. I mean, I think the first the first story I ever wrote was May 1990. It was in the Independent. And then I think there is no newspaper apart from The Guardian that I haven't written for and very few magazines that I haven't written for. And I tend to cover social injustice, um, health. I did cover the MMR debacle with the um, uh, Dr. Wakefield before he was struck off. And that was when you could... Get those stories in mainstream media, but you can't really, the last few years has been very difficult um, to get any negative vaccine stories in. Anyway, <clears throat> I've recently started looking at our food security and what's happening in farming, because it seems to be another emerging scandal that we people seem to be asleep to. But you know, I reported last week that. 2,200 English farmers have accepted DEFRA money to leave their farms. And DEFRA originally said, you know, it should stay in farming. This is to make space for younger farmers Mm. because the average age of of farmer is 55. But then they said there's no restrictions on what happens to that land. So you can put a caravan park, you can put a... A uh, Solar park, you could put a wind farm on any of that land. There's no restrictions. Could put a theme, theme park if you wanted. So there's so much that doesn't add up. They talk about how important food is, how important diet is, yet um, the Food Standards Agency are just about to slash red tape so that we can all have more fake food.
1: Yeah, let's stick with this um the this Defra um payments to for farmers to leave the industry. Um who is buying up this land because I think some figures that you got were 2200 of so far um accepted the money and the scheme. Um the scheme does run until I think May this year. I think is is, is that right? Yes, um so- did yeah, did you get any information on who is buying up? Is is it corporations, is it other farmers?
7: No, I asked the National Farmers Union to put me in touch with farmers who were selling their land. I asked DEFRA and I couldn't get information. So if you're a farmer out there and you've sold back to the scheme mm-hmm. um, and you've got some inside information, I'd love to know it because we don't know who's mm-hmm. um who's buying it. But what we do know is there was a there's a researcher and author called Guy Shrubsall. And he researched uh, a book called Who Owns England? And it seems that big corporations own most of the land. So I suspect that mega farms and big corporations will, you know, rush in to take over the land from the small family farms.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny, um, when we talk about the Royal Family, I know I'm going to, I'll explain why I'm going on a slight tangent, Um, you know, this argument, whether we should have the Royal Family or not, actually, I think, you know, people I've spoken to, we've come to the conclusion, actually, no, we should keep them, because they own a huge amount of land across the country, which essentially is owned by the state, obviously, it's in the names of the the Royal Family, but you know, if we we got rid of the Royal Family, presumably that land would come back to the state, because we all own it, Um, and it means that the Corporations can't get their hands on it, so um, you know it's one one good argument for keeping the royal family. I think um, it is curious, though, isn't it? Because um, you know who is training? It's all very well for the government to say, you know, let's get rid of all of these old farmers and make way for the new. But my understanding is not enough people, young people, are going into farming. And um, if we get rid of all the old farmers, who's going to train? anybody who wants to go into farmers, because you can't just, I mean, I if I wanted to become a farmer, I mean, I could just go and get a farm and, and start doing it, but um, I'd make a terrible mess of it without actually, you know, understanding how you go about it.
7: Well, you could go to agricultural college, but uh, what Guy Singh Watson says, and he owns Riverford who um, have a, a veg box delivery service. And he says he has five children and none of his children want to take over the farm. And farmers, you know, farming is one of those businesses that's handed on from generation to generation because kids have grown up um, on the farm. You know, they have an affinity with the animals and the land. They know what they're doing by the time they're teenagers. But so many of them just seeing their parents struggling badly and don't want to go down that road. So this is a, this is a huge problem, huge, because I thought in the Daily Mail this morning, there's a story that says um, highly processed foods are likely to be causing cancers, heart problems. So what we need to be doing is getting back to healthy food produced on the land, that we know where it's come from, we know exactly what's in it, um, and it's not adulterated with e-numbers and colorings. Uh, but if farming goes this way, we'll be eating more and more processed food, and that's only going to be a disaster for our health.
1: Yeah, it certainly is, isn't it? Because I mean, we were actually just talking about this, me and Gemma Cooper, and my newsreader, um, the fact that these reports have come out. And, you know, um, I think probably people, some people are probably eating more than what people used to eat. But I think... You're absolutely right. Most of the diseases, diabetes, all of these things is actually about the type of foods that people are eating now, as opposed necessarily just because of the quantity. Um, These highly processed, they're not, I mean, I've had guests on that have called them edible substances. They're not, it's not real food, is it?
7: No, it's not. And if you visit countries that don't have access to junk food, um, it's so noticeable that they are, slimmer slim like we used to be in the 70s um they're healthier even if they don't have as much food as we have you know there's certainly not the obesity problem in countries that aren't full of fast food and highly processed foods
1: yeah absolutely um sally we're going to take a quick break for, for the news headlines when we come back I want to talk about these reports. Um, It's basically the industrial strategy going forward. Um, They have been produced, I think, by either government departments or consultants for the government. But let's talk about some of the things which they're planning by 2050 in there, because they're quite shocking, um, I think. And, and, And clearly, I think most of the general public are not aware of that. So don't go anywhere, Sally. We'll talk about that after this short break, right here on TNT.
0: Here's what's making
1: news, 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 TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. It's been revealed the word peace wasn't mentioned once in this week's meeting of European leaders and Western officials who met in Paris to discuss the war in Ukraine. I was very surprised that there was not a single word about any peace plan or peace initiative. And the African nation of Mali is strengthening its ties with Moscow and turning to Russia for help after the UN failed to restore peace and stability in the country.
0: Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time
1: right here on today's news talk.
0: TNT Radio.
1: TNT Radio. Now, Sally, um, as you're fully aware, because you talked about it in your article, um, there is this strategy, um, long-term strategy, which is a bit of a joke, actually, because we've gotten used to the government having no strategy at all, whether it's on energy, but suddenly they've got, you know, all, all of this very detailed planning. And I think the general public would be quite shocked because, you know, people I've had on this show, we talk, they talk about, you know, using technology to make things better but this is not about that our industrial strategy going forward it's all about doing less of the things that we need to to live so you know no flights um 60 less tro- road traffic um no lamb or beef um, it's all going to be fake meat and insects it's quite shocking isn't it i mean do you think that this is just some you know, nefarious report that the government is just, you know, because they do produce lots of reports. Or do you think this is being taken seriously?
7: Uh, I tried to get the information from the people who'd um, produced it. I mean, there's there's signs of a slight rift. So let me tell, tell you who produced it. It's six of our top universities. So Oxford, Cambridge, Bath, Strathclyde, um, and I can't remember the other two, but... It's called the Absolute Zero Report, and it's funded by a government. Oh, Imperial and Nottingham, that's the other two. It's funded by the Engineering and Physical Sciences Research Council, which is a government organisation. Um, and as you've seen from their graph, they've suggested really drastic measures, except when it comes to plastic, interestingly. Um, but, yes, no... Uh, beef and lamb to be reduced by 50% by 2029 no beef or lamb by 2050 it's it's really drastic and when i asked them uh you know are the government taking you seriously they pointed me to a press release about rishi sunak and how he wasn't really supporting um, how he'd ha- how he'd watered down green initiatives that was the report so i I'm hoping that this is a sort of IQ test for the government that they look at this and think if we take these measures on board we will have no domestic food food security we'll have a sick population um farms will go out of business and it's going to be worse than living in world war 1 I, I I would have thought, you know, the scarcity will be horrendous if they take on these measures.
1: Yeah. And the government hasn't got a good track record, has it, of forward planning, as I was saying just a moment ago. I mean, look at look at the water um, systems across the UK. The populations have increased by a lot over the last sort of 40, 50 years here in the UK. And yet we've got no additional water infrastructure, no reservoirs. And of course, now they're blaming water shortages on climate change um the energy sector as well um you know we've had um the um, electricity companies offering consumers this winter and last winter um you know in- incentives to turn off all their devices and the argument was well if we don't do this we're going to have power outages so you know what? I mean. What are your thoughts? Do you think this is another another um, disaster waiting to happen? Their plans, um, if they go ahead with what what is in these reports,
7: if they go ahead with them, it's a it's an absolute disaster. I mean, who should be dictating to us whether we do or don't eat beef or, or lamb? I mean, the argument is that cow farts produce methane, but so does grass. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And there's <laughs> there's there's so many um, scientists out there who've got a, an argument against all the arguments, against the fertilisers. Y- you know, when I say against, is against banning the fertilisers. There's all sorts of arguments against this. And we only get to hear one side of the argument and we don't get to make up our own minds. And that first happened in Brexit. I don't know, just take you back to Brexit. I realised the po- reporting... MSM reporting on that was really biased and we didn't get to find out the truth until after we'd exited. And that's not how reporting should be. And that's not how we sh- should be treated as taxpayers.
1: Yeah, of course. And on the CO2 thing, somebody said to me the other day, they said, um you know, all those big um, greenhouses that we've got in Spain and other countries where they grow um, fruit for a for, for year, they pump them full of CO2 because it makes the plants grow quicker. Um, there is a lie, I think, we're being told um, about CO2. Um I mean, on, on that point, the hydroponics and growing of plants, I see that um, in your article, you do mention that Sainsbury's, as part of their future planning, are talking about supermarkets actually growing some of the food we eat um, via hydroponics. Um, I actually grow my own microgreens in my garage here. I've got a set up, um, a hydroponics set up. What do you make of that? Do you think that's a good thing? Because for me, I guess there are some positive things about bringing mm. the food Closer to um, to the consumer, um, but what are your thoughts on on that in particular, Sally?
7: Well, if you if you read the full report and you just need to Google um, the Sainsbury's uh, food report and it is projection for the next 150 years, it's clear that the subtext of that is let's try and do whatever we can to produce food that doesn't need farmers. Mm. So hydroponics in store from next year, very close. Um, Then they want to introduce invasive species like jellyfish um, on the fish counter. Then they want to um, introduce uh, a fake food aisle where we will be taking home kits to grow our own meat. And they say in the report, and you people have got to read these reports and take them at face value. They say that um, meat could become a luxury item. Well, it's not going to be us who's going to be able to afford the luxury item, is it now, James? We we all know who's going to be able to have meat at the table. It'll be like Henry VIII times, you know, where the king's table is groaning and us, the serves, are picking up potato peelings out of the pig pens. You know, that's how it's going to be, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it certainly is. I wonder if they'll bring back um, treason for going into the woods and hunting deer and that kind of thing. Um, It does sound very much a dystopian um, Mm -hmm. reality, which could come true. Um, Let's talk about fake meats, because the other thing that's going on at the moment, and this is related to how we started the conversation about who owns the actual Mm -hmm. land, in the US, um, you know, Bill Gates has got bought up huge amounts of farmland, whilst at the same time he's also investing huge amounts of money in um these fake meat um and other um fake food um, companies. Um that's a real worry, isn't it? Um, the the You know, the, it does seem to be that this whole attack on farming, which you've just described there with, with the Teresa report, is all about getting the farmers off the land so that they can own our food production and our food um, supply chains, and they will own everything. I think that's what the plan is, isn't it?
7: Yeah, everything to be owned by BlackRock. And, um, you know, as, as the World Economic Forum have, have told us that... Uh, they will own everything and we will own nothing but for you know someone like gates to buy 127,000 acres of land and then be putting his money into creating fake food it's just there in plain sight it's such a it's such a red flag i would suggest and yet it's not being talked about at all you know why does Bill Gates want all this farmland if he's not interested in farming.
1: Yeah. Now Sally obviously you I'm sure that you must have seen some of the the protests the farming protests in Europe very very aggressive very very militant I think they totally get what's going on here and they're sending a very very clear message to the globalists. Um we've got a very different situation here in the UK there have been some protests but I'm not 100% convinced yet or Or well, it's either I'm not hundred percent convinced that our farmers totally get that big picture yet, or they are trying to do it a different way. So they're trying to work with the politicians um bottom up. That was certainly the message yesterday that um they were trying to send a message to the politicians that you need to start listening. Um what what do you make of this whole the farming protest, both in the UK and and Europe? What do you think is the right way forward?
7: the farmers groups that i've been involved with uh, they they feel really conflicted about taking to the streets because they feel that the public doesn't want to see that they put, they, they, they you know they're con- they are concerned about the public they are concerned about serving the public and they are concerned that if they take to the streets you'll have more journalists like george mombio calling them right wing And that, as we know, is just a distraction from the issues, but it's an effective one. And, you know, this isn't about being right wing or left wing or even centre or even independent. This is about fighting for their businesses and fighting for our food security. You know, politics shouldn't be brought into it at all, Mm. you know, apart from DEFRA, making agricultural policy to support the farmers. But it's shifting from subsidies, from what I can work out, and don't quote me, chapter on verse on this anyone, but it's shifting from sub subsidies to incentives. So farmers are going to be given money if they turn over 10% of their land to trees. Um, More money if they turn over another 10% to rewilding. Um, It's all going to be about incentives and not subsidies. And that's really a way of shackling the farmers
1: um, and
7: forcing them to do what they don't want to do with their land.
1: You are absolutely on the nail there. That is exactly what is going on. Um, Sally, um, sadly, we've run out of, of time. Um, you are right as well on the insults. I mean, Alan Davies, um, he's a Labour member of the Welsh Parliament here, the Senate in Wales. He called farmers and their supporters cranks in, um, I think, on it was a post on X two days ago. And we've had Mark Drakeford blaming them for their predicament for voting for Brexit. So there is a definitely, you can see why the farmers are worried here, because they're worried they're getting, dragged into politics and that the public will view that um badly and that they will be viewed badly by the public but sally listen thank you for coming on the freeman port um you're gonna have to come back on um definitely soon um sally back everyone um legacy journalist gone rogue thank you sally thank
7: you very much james
1: thank you Right, okay, Um, don't go anywhere because we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, I will have my old Australian friend, well, he's an ex-Brit uh, living in Australia now, Dale Kenny, who'll be joining me to talk about a little bit about the farmers, but also mainly to talk about Israel. So don't go anywhere. Stick with me right here on TNT.
0: Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. This past Saturday, before the South Carolina primary results were in, Donald Trump was at CPAC And he addressed the consequences of Joe Biden letting the illegal invasion into this country.
4: It's migrant crime. It's a new category of crime. And I wanted to call it Biden migrant crime, but it's too long. So we just call it migrant crime. We have a new category, migrant crime, and it's gonna be more severe than violent crime and crime as we knew it. Because we have millions and millions of people And they came from prisons and jails. They came from mental institutions and insane asylums. No, they're not the same thing. An insane asylum is a mental institution on steroids, okay? It's uh, Silence of the Lambs, okay? You know that. Hannibal Lecter.
0: And here was his finishing touch.
4: They're all being deposited into our country, and then you have terrorists, and then you have drugs, and then you have human traffickers, and they're coming over at levels never seen before. We've never seen anything like this.
0: Vintage Donald Trump, telling it like it is, the reason he walloped Nikki Haley on Saturday in South Carolina. Thanks for giving me a minute, I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here
2: on TNT.
7: You ever heard of a polyp? Sounds like a rare species of toad. Actually, it's a lump that grows inside me, your bowel. Look, I'm pretty sure if you had a strange lump growing on your forehead, you might get it looked at, right? But when they're growing inside me, nothing. Nada. And the polyps I get can lead to Australia's second deadliest cancer. So, until there's a way to make them grow on your face, it's up to you to get me looked at. Got it?
0: You're with James Freeman and the Freeman Report on today's News
1: Talk Radio, TNT right well i'm delighted to welcome back dale penny dale's been on the show a few times now he is my new best friend in australia um, hello dale how you doing hi james really well thanks
3: i'm sporting yeah. my uh little neck thing in solidarity with you but you're not wearing yours and i've picked the <laughs> combat color <laughs> so uh we can get into a bit of uh
1: a bit of biffo about oh let's definitely get into some combat um you've also you just told me you you've cut all your hair off dale yeah, I know. Gutted.
3: Yeah, I, yeah, I'm gutted, actually. I thought I had it for three years. I grew it over COVID. And then every time I woke up in the morning, I just looked like an old man with grey wisney bits. And so I cut it all off. And now all I'm doing is growing it back for another three years. I don't do it. And the beard will never come off. I think you should
1: grab beards, James, as well. Why do you grab beards? Uh, do you know what? It would take me so long. My hair, my facial hair grows so and it's very, very fine and it just takes forever. So Yeah, but the mother, I I would see be there's a moustache there that could come out. Nice thick, heavy moustache. <laughs> Right. Okay. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Um, Dale, I asked you to watch a because we've spoken about Israel in the past. Um, You know, we've spoken about it many times. We're both, I think, sit on the same side of the fence um, regarding that. Um, I asked you to watch the interview that I did earlier this week with the the front runner in the UKIP um, leadership race, Lois Perry. Let's start with that. So you've watched that this morning.
6: Is she what really... Do I mean, I didn't, of-
3: I've i never heard of her before that interview. Is she... that? She's the front runner for UKIP? Apparently so, yeah. Well, then we may as well all just give up, as, what, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Why turn up? If that is... If that's the quality that is leading a political party, I
1: think you may as well just throw the towel in. Yeah, well, she might not... I mean, look... I, uh, the first question I asked her when she came on is what are you doing out there what are you trying to achieve because to me um you know unless you're in the UK government um you know you're a you're a minister or you're someone with power um as a politician, what are you doing going over there uh, into that volatile situation? She's she's calling it a fact finding mission. Um, but what's she going to do with those facts? I, I'm really um, I'm very, very suspicious that this is just a trying to grandstand and pretend to be important so that she can get votes towards a leadership campaign. I don't know that, but that's just kind of how it appears to me.
3: Yeah. Uh, Well, why does anyone go over there? Usually, they're invited over. You know, if you look at the, did we mention previously? Yeah, I think I mentioned previously the Bobby Lee thing. You know, that uh, that uh, sort of you know comedian dude, American comedian that admit. Did we say? Have I talked to you about this before? That was that mentioned that it was about ten or twelve years ago. He was invited over with a group of comedians to uh, for a free holiday in Israel. Uh, you know, everything all paid for, all lovely hotels and food. And then they just said, oh, while you're here, can you post a tweet every day saying how brilliant Israel is? And he thought, you know, it's about- Now, obviously, if you're a politician, there's a totally different agenda, but it's all lip service. It's all, you know, it's all... Uh, but, 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 but she's claiming to be a Christian. You know, I've got so many things here I'm angry about, James. I mean, I've written a whole yeah. thing here, the things that I'm angry about that she was talking about. Um, you know, right to, to defend itself. You know, as you said, you know, bringing up, uh, uh, bringing up things like, you know, England being a Christian country. You know, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to rattle things. You know how I usually do things, James. It's just there's no, there's no order to it. We're just going a bit crazy. She was talking about, oh, you know, they've got nowhere to go. The Jews have got nowhere to go. You know, England's a Christian country. So as so, and so go. England, What's Christian about England? It's yeah, a secular yeah, not, even, it's not It's yeah. not. it's not Christian. There's nothing. remote. In fact, Christianity has been removed completely from England and from most countries. Uh, but it's secular. You just, you. Everyone in England is welcome, I think, uh, unless you're a Muslim, in which case you're vilified, and if you're Jewish, then you're lauded above everybody else. Um. Uh, and then to be, comp- can I just rant away, James? Not yeah, me, yeah. No, you carry on, Dale. You, you carry you know, on. Comp- so I'll tell you what annoys me about this whole narrative you know comparing it to you know oh, well what would you have said to winston churchill what well, i would have told winston churchill is an absolute shit bag you know that is the reality of it yeah dropping bombs on dresden and killing you know
1: tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people but how can you but I'm going to butt in there. I am going to butt in there. But do, I mean, for me, it's a good. I, I I I did pick on that point as well. I thought it was a ridiculous comparison to make. But from a slightly different point, I mean, I think I, if I'd have been alive then, you know, the whole country was um, at risk from the from the Nazis. So I probably. Although my natural position is to question, even when, you know, us, the good guys are kind of doing bad stuff is my yeah. natural position is to question that and say, look, you Correct. know, is this the right thing to do? Yeah. However, yeah. Yeah. um, you know, that was a very different situation because you had two armies, two states at yeah. war with each other. The yeah. proportionality, you know, it was all the proportionalities were right. Yeah. This, what we're seeing in Gaza is a, um uh you know, millions of civilians who yeah. cannot flee. They haven't got an army, and they cannot flee, and Israel is continuing to bomb innocent civilians. It's very, very different, isn't it? It's way different. I mean, if you do a side-by-side, because they continually,
3: I say they the people that are supporting the agenda continue to for some reason compare this to world war 2 which is ridiculous and comparing uh, hamas to the nazis if you just do a side by side comparison with the two countries you've got a country in uh, 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 in germany uh, in 1939 of approximately 69 million people compared to in 2023 uh, uh, in the gaza strip 2 million people so you're comparing a country with 69 million versus you know the might and power and intimidation of a country with 69 million, uh, which was Germany, versus two million now. You've got, if you look at the military group of the Nazis, it was 18 million Nazi soldiers, Wehrmacht and Waffen SS, approximately 18 million. Hamas has got 30,000 people. No, as you say, no army, no air force. I mean, no air force, no navy.
1: No, yeah. you know,
3: no. Yeah. You know, so there's no comparison. I mean, comparing it is ridiculous. Y-
1: Absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. But I would say also that, you know, it's clear I think Hamas have done bad things. And I don't I don't defend that in any way whatsoever. But also, Lois did bring something up and somebody actually on social media made a good point. They said, James, you let her lie. And I was just like, "Okay, sorry, I missed that. And she and, and the person said, you know, she was saying that they Hamas put babies in ovens. Now, I don't know about that particular um, instance and whether that's happened, but there does seem to be, I mean, I read an article today by someone on social media, and it was talking about how every PC and laptop that they found in in Gaza has all got porn on it. They've um, got sex toys everywhere. They're a degenerate society. There seems to be an awful lot of um circumstantial or spurious yeah. Yeah, things right. to say these people are bad they deserve it you know yeah, we shouldn't all their weapons are them yeah, as other yeah. human beings all their weapons
3: are from china and iran and russia yeah, yeah. that's probably a nonsense it, yeah. as well yes but um but why and you hear this quite regularly you know it's much worse for a baby to be killed in an oven than to be killed by having its limbs blown off by a bomb yeah. or a phosphorus whatever yeah. what a load of bollocks It's like it's just as bad. It doesn't matter. Oh, yes, the baby got killed in an oven, even if it did get killed in an oven. Yeah, that's bad. So is it cowering in its father's arms as a bomb drops on the top of the thing. It makes no difference trying to, again, trying to, you know, make something worse than the other.
1: Yeah, and anybody listening to this, obviously we're talking about sensitive stuff. What we're actually trying to do here is talk about, you know, the arguments that are presented by both sides and just say that, you know, on the Israeli side, there seem to be always pro-Israeli supporters trying to Almost say, well, well. I'll tell you what, Dale. I'll, I'll tell you what somebody said to me in a WhatsApp group the other day. They said, why are you picking on Israel so much? There's loads of countries around the world that kill civilians. Why, why are you all the focus on Israel? And the way I interpreted that is, oh, poor old Israel. Everyone else is allowed to do it. Um, so why yeah. shouldn't we allow Israel? Correct. I mean, yeah, yeah, but but also uh,
3: because uh, I don't I, I don't I don't constantly hear about those other countries. They're not uh, they're not uh, lobbying my government for you know necessarily lobbying my government for support. They don't maybe control you know major positions of power in the U.S. You know uh, political system. So none of that. I don't think any of that adds up. But I don't want to I don't want to pick on Israel. I just don't like bullies. Yeah. Uh I had and, and I had an interesting conversation today on the waking world podcast of course uh, with an Israeli man it's, we, we've had two uh, conversations with him now and today I said to him look I want to ask you as an Israeli man living in Israel in, in Tel Aviv a uh, very passionate man he was the guy that went into the uh, shopping mall in Tel Aviv with a megaphone in the middle of covid and and you know broadcast shouted to everyone you know how can you let yourselves be you know a, a barcode and not a human and all that stuff that was very pro our side when it came to COVID. And I said, I want to ask you some, you know, some difficult questions. And I had a list of 26 questions to ask him that I said will probably make you angry. But I want to know because I'm an Englishman living in Australia. I've got nothing to do with Israel. I've got nothing to do with Judaism. I want to know some answers to some questions. And through the conversation, he's a lovely guy, through the conversation, what he admitted, he said, look, it's not an occupation. We conquered them. Right, this is what he said. So, and I thought, well, that's the first time I've heard someone say that. And if anything, I respect him for saying that, but that's fine, we've all conquered. Everyone's, you know, England's been conquering people for God knows how for countries for God knows how long, as has the US, as has every other empire. So Israel is doing it. And that's fine, If that's, I just don't wanna hear the victim card getting played anymore. I don't wanna hear anything else about the Holocaust and how I, I'm sick to death of hearing about it. Yes, it was bad, it was 100 years ago, I'm not interested. So, yeah, you know, that's good. I'm glad he admitted that it was uh, that they were that they conquered them and it wasn't it's not just an occupation.
1: And what do you think about because, of course, everyone says Israel has a right to defend itself. And I don't think there's any sensible, moral person that would argue against that. But the question is, is bombing civilians so many of them when they cannot flee um you know is that a defense now um the thing with that is you know is they say that israel will say that they do everything possible to try and protect civilians yeah. but yeah. for me they you do everything possible to start apart from bombing them i mean yeah. it's just crazy well no it? but that's
3: just that's just wording that's just words that's just you know that's not what's happening you just have to you ignore the words that you're hearing and you look at the actions that are happening uh, yeah. but, but it doesn't matter anyway because what you know because what did uh, what did uh, the well the US look what they did in Iraq you know they had a uh, they had uh, the, you know the World Trade Centers got bombed and uh, three thousand people killed they killed a million Iraqis you know so why we've only killed thirty thousand it's like well, you're insane if that's what you're thinking.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I think there is some mileage in that argument. Why are we just focusing on Israel? Because, of course, you know, the UK is one of the the largest arms exporters. There are lots of countries and, you know, that's all. Shh, don't tell yeah. anybody. Don't remind yeah. them about that. There yeah. is a whole industry. Um, and of course, you know, we've seen American defense companies yeah. getting rid of all of their old stockpiles, sending them to yeah. Ukraine so that they can make lots of new ones and make yeah. lots of money. You know, I think it is time. I think that th- there is some mileage in that that argument in the sense that, yeah, we start need to start calling our governments out, don't we? Yeah.
3: I've got a conspiracy theory uh, based on uh, why things happen. Uh, so have we got time for this? Oh, really, We've be got, really got qu- one minute. So go right, for it. Really quickly. Uh, look. Was Jeffrey Epstein a Mossad operation? Was that whole honey trap, you know, paedophile sting ring, was that all a Mossad operation? And the fact that people like David Cameron are being put back into office and Boris Johnson is being talked about, is it because they're all compromised still and the new blood that are coming through aren't compromised, they've got to put all the old people back in because they can still control them. That's it.
1: Waking World (laughs) Podcast, Waking World Podcast. (laughs) Thank you very much, Dale. That was that was fantastic. You managed to do all of that in 30 seconds. Um, Dale Penny, like I said, you are my new best friend from Australia. My um new fantastic. Best friend from, uh, Love you to bits. Yeah, and we'll have to get you back on again soon. Thank you very much, Dale, um ladies and gentlemen. Right, okay. Um, the only thing left to say is don't go anywhere. Stay tuned with us, right here on TNT.